The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Support for this show comes from the Spirituality and Health Annual Holiday Gift Guide, a special section in the November-December 2016 issue featuring inspiring and unique products. Reach our conscious community and reserve your advertising space today. Email Tabitha at SpiritualityHealth.com or call 231-933-5660, extension 305. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. My guest today is family therapist and executive coach, Rosman Zander. Roz is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Art of Possibility, Transforming Professional and Personal Life. And she has a new book coming out in June called Pathways to Possibility, Transforming Our Relationship with Ourselves, Each Other, and the World. A review of her new book appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Rosamund Zander, welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Well, we are equally happy to have you on the show. Let's start with your understanding of possibility. What do you mean by the term? What I mean by the term possibility is much broader than what people usually use the term for. Usually possibility is used as, well, there's an option to do that, that we could do that. That's a good idea. But I mean a way of looking at life. It's it's an attitude and it's also an, a way of looking at life that is based on a certain assumption. And that is that life is created by, our lives are created by us in the stories we're living in. I'm contrasting the idea of possibility to what we call the downward spiral. And the downward spiral is a way of looking at life, which is what we ordinarily do and are born into, that life is about survival and that reality is fixed. And so you have to kind of struggle with the circumstances. Possibility in possibility, the realm of possibility, you know that it's all invented. So nothing is fixed. So very, very postmodern. I mean, the notion that you're creating your own narrative, you're creating your own, you're creating your life through your narrative. That gives you a tremendous amount of freedom, I suppose. It does. It gives you a tremendous freedom, tremendous joy, because you don't get st- stuck with barriers you, you're saying are real and are there. You, owe, you take responsibility for what you're seeing in life as a creation of your own. And that's amazing, amazingly freeing, as you say, and just such a lighthearted way of living. So do you see a connection between this and uh, the work of, of um, uh, I can't think of her name, I guess went out of my head, but The Secret, um, the idea yeah. of the power of positive thinking. And, and, and yeah. Yes, in a way. I remember listening, I would heard the audiobook of The Secret, and I thought, yeah, there's a lot in common. I feel that what I'm doing is a bit more encompassing than that. I think that, but I don't want to, I don't know it well enough to be able to comment on that, but I want to say that my realm, my image of possibility includes every bad thing that could happen, every emotion that any human being could feel. And 
it doesn't say there's nothing evil going on. It just recognizes that the word evil is a story. So why would people tell a story of evil or a story of poverty or a story of you know, disaster if, if they have that choice not to? Well, if they had the choice not to, they wouldn't tell that story. If they, had the cho- if they understood that, that we really do create our own reality, they wouldn't tell a story like that, but they would tell a story that said, this is what happened. This number of people were, you know, killed in a bombing raid and people felt agony and they were, and their relatives were incredibly grief stricken. That's all within possibility. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so that's very different than Rhonda Burns, The Secret. I think if I understand her right, it's, you really don't have to experience a, a tragedy like that. The people who are in the tragedy sort of set themselves up for tragedy by thinking a certain way. People who are in poverty think poverty, and that's why they, they suffer from poverty. But you're not, you're not saying that. No, I'm not. But I am giving freedom to the entire range of feeling. And it's also true that there's a difference between poverty thinking and real poverty. Hmm. When you're in poverty, we're getting very esoteric here in this podcast. Uh, I always say that you know, the poverty is not a tragedy for the monk who takes the vows. Right. It's joyful. But I don't expect people who are experiencing lack and poverty to be joyous. I, when I contemplate it, don't have to wring my hands. I can open my self and heart to encompass that people are feeling this way but I don't have to be dragged down by it. I think that may be one of the differences. So I'm, I was thinking of a friend of mine who's recently lost her job. Uh, she was a very high level job. She'd been in it for a couple of decades and the company was sold and she's out of work. So, I mean, that's her reality. I mean, that's just- Yeah, it's her reality. That's, that's her reality. That's the fact of her existence. So how would she use the uh, art of possibility or the pathways, what pathway of, uh, a possibility would could she use to work with this reality that she's, she has to deal with? Well, for one thing, she wouldn't make a trend out of it. And, and we tend to do that. Oh, there must be something wrong with me that I, that I was fired or let go. Even if the company says it wasn't about me, I think I'll, I'll internalize it as being about me. She wouldn't do that with the art of possibility. Next, she would, I'm smiling at this, say, you never know what are the good things or the bad things, and we don't. Actually, trauma opens your your brain to, to change. And if you embrace that, you can learn an enormous amount and move ahead in a, an, after a situation like that. So my new book would tell you how to do that and, and, and tell you why it works that way. And so you would have an attitude of, this stinks, but I wonder what's coming next. What can I make of what's coming next? And truly, the brain will develop under those circumstances, and it's kind of wonderful. So, so you're never- It's not something to be avoided. 
unless it's too great to handle and unless you don't understand that that life is an invention. So there's you're, you're never a victim in this kind of thinking. Exactly, you're I mean, not. There's, yeah, there's, there's reality, I lost my job, I lost my relationship, uh, I have inoperable terminal cancer. I'm the, these are simply facts of my existence. And then I, if I'm hearing you right, you're then saying, now there's ways of working with these facts that can be life-affirming and ways of working with these facts that can be needlessly, unnecessarily uh, depressive. Is that fair? Exactly. <clears throat> I so, yeah, had an interesting experience where I was told by a doctor, an older man who probably shouldn't have been saying what he did, but he'd seen little spots on my lungs. And he said, if those are cancer, which I think they are, it's curtains for you. <laughs> but let's leave it for a few months and come back and be tested again. <laughs> I find this so amusing. Well, I might have gone into a terrific spin. But in fact, I didn't, not from any effort of my own. Everything became so clear and beautiful. Now, I'm telling you this because most people think if they got a diagnosis like that or close to a diagnosis, that they, that they would then have a terrible time and they'd start telling other people about it and so on. Um, I just didn't know what I would find with that. And what I found was it was a gift. And it turned out that it was not cancer. And the, and the gift was what? The gift was that I had a chance to walk to the edge of my life and think it might be over soon. And that's a clarifying thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was the gift. You know, when I, when I looked at the, the book, you, you've, The Art of Possibility, and yeah. the book that's coming out, the, I kept coming back to the word curiosity. It's, I, I got a sense that if you're living... Uh, this this art of possibility. You're living in a state of, I, I don't know if I want to say, sort of radical hospitality to whatever the facts are on the ground, but you're engaging with them with this profound sense of curiosity. What's next? Absolutely. I'm so glad you read that. You, you found that in the book because that openness is really what this second book is about. And it starts from the beginning of life and how a child develops and how the child develops stories and some that get stuck and some that develop, that um, move forward. And then the book moves out to broader picture of how we affect others. And then it is how we can make partnerships with nature itself. Now, in this kind of journey of starting from a seed and moving up and outwards, the curiosity is a natural. If you, if you see life doing that, then curiosity would be a natural response. But it's also what I'm prescribing for the best growth and development. It's, it seems to me, and I, I want your reaction to this, that if I have this response of curiosity, I don't have, maybe this is too extreme to say, but it seems to me I, I don't have either extremes of, of joy or fear. I'm just curious. It, it seems like a, a more tempered response, but maybe a deeper response where, where joy and fear are always 
reactive to the facts on the ground. Curiosity seems to me to be something broader, something more deep, something more with more gravitas than either momentary joy or fear. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that they can be compared because curiosity is a, is a hmm, is a whole state of mind. Now, joy, I would think that the the contrast is between fear and a kind of glee when you've won something, when you have a ah, sudden hit, okay. you won the lottery. Even there would be, you might say that would be joy. But when you go through life with this attitude of curiosity, you actually experience joy a great deal of the time because you're seeing things you've never seen before. Yeah, I, I think that's a very good distinction, joy and glee. I was thinking glee and I said joy. So yeah. that, that's a good, a good distinction to make. Yeah, and I'm glad, you, I think it's more profound to have this experience of, of joy and wonder and a sense that life has... And is an infinitely varied experience. Yeah, ab absolutely. So, so let me ask you, I, I know in the first book, you drew a lot from your husband, Benjamin Zander's uh, experience as a conductor of the Boston Philharmonic. So I have to just put a plug in for the Philharmonic. I'm from Massachusetts, lived in <laughs> Boston. So, okay, go a shout out to that, that world. But uh, can you give us an example of... of how his experience as a conductor uh, worked within the art of possibility, and if you're still using that in the new book, or if you have other, what does the new book add to the art of possibility? What does the pathways to possibility add? Well, it adds the experiences and the um, con constructions of many people, and there. And I have three stories of Ben Zander in the new book and they're all and they're spectacular they're really spectacular stories ben and i worked on this model together and when i wrote the art of possibility what i did was interact with him about any problems he might meet in the world and kind of coach him in the model so that things turned out differently and then we could write about them so um He's my closest partner in this model. And naturally, he will speak more in line with what I'm trying to say than anybody else in the book. But that doesn't mean that I'm not... See, the, what's happened with the, with the pathways is that I've found possibility in so many different qu quarters of life. For instance, Pete Carroll, <laughs> who's coach of the Seahawks, I, I, somebody had mentioned that he seemed to be a transformational person. So I went and investigated and I found all sorts of new ways of looking at possibility through Pete Carroll. So this book really has uh, a broader range of experience and probably more people can identify with, with it in different ways because it tells ordinary stories and extraordinary stories that falls squarely in the realm of possibility. And, and you've been living this for, I mean, more than 16 years. I mean, the, there's that much difference between the first book and the and this current one. Yeah. But you actually live this so that, that you're seeing, uh, well, just the way you said it, I mean, you're seeing possibility not only in your own life, but through the lives of other people, and then bringing what you see into the new book so that readers can see it as well. 
Yes, exactly. I, um, I took seven years to write Pathways. And I didn't, but, but you're right, it's 16 years since The Art of Possibility was published, which means there are nine years in which I wasn't writing, but I was just gathering information. Or what, but really what I said was, I thought after The Art of Possibility that I'd said all there was to say <laughs> on this topic. And, I, and then I realized over the next nine years that that wasn't true. Yeah, which, John, which really only attests to your living the, you know, walking the walk. I mean, that, that uh, you, you noticed new possibility and as you grew, then a new book emerged out of that. Exactly. So in the couple of minutes we have left, and it's a short conversation, I realize that, and this is such a big topic. But in yes. a couple of minutes we have left, can you offer the, the listener something that she or he can do now to embrace this idea of possibility? Well, at the end of um, Pathways, I have five games for people to play. They're not really games. Games sounds trivial. They're experience, the attitudes to have something to try. And one of them is called Walk with Spirit and Love. Now, I have stories about people who were given that as a game to play, an assignment to do and where it took them. And the idea is that if you actually say to yourself and do walk with spirit and love, your biology changes. Everything about your demeanor changes and everything about what you radiate changes. So there's a story in the book about a violist who tried out for the Berlin Symphony and the Berlin Symphony never took women into first chairs and she was trying for the first chair. And as she was going to the tryouts, she found out that her teacher was, in fact, also trying out, which was devastating to her. And then she remembered this assignment that we had given her in, in a class in the New England Conservatory, Walk with Spirit and Love. And she tells of how her whole body changed. She concentrated on the radiation of love and spirit in the audition. And I wouldn't tell, be telling the story if you... You know, if she hadn't won the chair, but she was the first woman to win a uh, a first chair in the Berlin Symphony. So, so, so let's leave people with that. Is that is that how you would say it? To, to well, walk to with spirit and love. All right, can't end with something any more challenging than that. Rosman Zander, thank you very much for talking with us on Essential Conversations. Thank you. It was a very interesting conversation, and I think it's just the beginning. I hope so. Thank you. My guest today was Rosamund Zander. She's author of Pathways to Possibility, Transforming Our Relationship with Ourselves, Each Other, and the World. A review of the book appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. And you can find out more about Rosalind, uh, Rosamund and her work at rosamundzander.com. So again, Ros, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Remy. Support for this edition of Essential Conversations comes from the Spirituality and Health Annual Holiday Gift Guide, a special section in the November-December 2016 issue of the magazine, and a special section in the online website. The section features inspiring and unique products that you might want to gift people for the holidays. If you have such a product and you'd like to reach our conscious community and reserve your advertising space, please email Tabitha at 
tabitha at spiritualityhealth.com or call 231-933-5660, extension 305, 231-933-5660, extension 305. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Visit spiritualityhealth.com and subscribe to the magazine in either print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our program coordinator is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening.